Good morning. Hi. Good. Um, it's good to be with you today. I thought I would kind of sit and talk again for a little bit with the congregation. Um, I want, first of all, just to say how wonderful um, many of your expressions of care and concern for Denny have been. It was great that so many people looked at the message that was on Facebook. When I went to see him, I was able to show him everybody's faces, and he wanted to see everybody's face. So Denny is one of the folks from the neighborhood, um, and he recently uh, had a heart attack. And so he was able to call 911 for himself, um, which was wonderful. He's been in the hospital since Tuesday before last. He's over at Mercy Fitzgerald in Lansdowne. Um, and he's in his, uh, his old cantankerous self fussing with the nurses. <laughs> so I knew when he started that, I was like, yeah, you're getting better. <laughs> so um, we don't know next steps for him exactly, but we will, I will keep the church informed on what's, what's going on with Denny. And if you want to visit, right now he's um, in the ICU. You have to be 18 to visit uh, and two visitors at a time. So thanks. Thanks very much. Um, so we have been uh, doing some work on belonging. And uh, it's been good, I think, I hope. I'm like, has it been good for you guys? Um, and I want to continue that work today uh, in talking about holding our tensions, okay? Um, we're still on our agreements, but to hold agreements, the agreements we make, we've got to hold some things in tension. Uh, and that reality is there before us. Um, I'm actually not comfortable sitting down. All right. Um, when I was in seminary, uh, when Barack Obama was running for president. You guys remember the Jeremiah Wright controversy that happened? So I am in seminary. I'm thinking, there's no better place to be because of course we're gonna talk about this thing, right? And I was taking a preaching class, I was taking it at, with the then president of the seminary who was president of this like prestigious church, black church in DC. I was like, oh my goodness. Is going down. And I got to class, and it was, now this is also a man who taught us that we had to, um, we were supposed to preach with the Bible in one hand and newspaper in the other. And he said, nothing. And we kept asking, and he said, nothing. I was so disappointed because it was so interesting to me, the uproar that people had, because it, I mean, I grew up in black church, so the stuff that Jeremiah Wright was saying, I heard, I grew up with that, you know? And when you feel like you're in a liberation movement, you rally the troops the way you rally the troops, right? And it was kind of amazing to me, because I'd been to majority culture churches and seeing what happened there, that the reverse wasn't, and that this was news to folks, what, was what happened in, in black church sometimes. And the uproar went out because we had no idea what the conversation was happening. But we live every day, especially as a Christian community, 
We live every day talking about Jesus, but don't know our agreements, don't understand the context that people are living in. I know, so my experience in church is to talk about the things that are happening. And I don't know where we are as a congregation and how much freedom I have with that. So I'm just going to keep putting my foot out a little bit and pulling it back, find the border. Nothing too controversial. But something has happened with us, and I can't and I won't not talk about it. I won't talk about it in the partisan ways that it's going on. I want to talk about the, the overarching stuff. And this is my thoughts, and it's relevant to what we're talking about today, but Congress, it seems to me, no matter what you believe, Congress has decided to ignore our agreement. Our agreement is stated in our Constitution, and it lays out some things that we're supposed to be agreed to. When this happens, we'll do that. When that happens, we'll do that. Don't do this, you know? And so no matter what's going on, there's a process and a pr procedure that we have written down. When we take our pledge, we're pledging to follow that agreement. And yet, it feels like, it seems like, there's a new playbook that's written for some other folks that exclude us as people, as the people. Power, it feels like to me, it may not to you, but to a certain extent in terms of when we agree and follow our agreement, our covenant, our contract. There's some people who have more influence about that than others. And uh, we're no longer holding the tension between our varied interests. We're just going for blood. And you cannot function in a family, in a church, in a neighborhood, in a city, in a nation without holding those tensions or it is disrupted and destroyed, what you're trying to build, the cohesion, the unity of the group. So it's a living example taking place right now of what we're talking about and what can happen when we don't understand the nature of our agreements, when people are going toe-to-toe -to -toe with no respect, it sometimes feels like, for one another, when lies prevail on both sides. And there's no place for the truth. And finding the truth, oh my goodness, so difficult. The Constitution is our agreement. Now, as for me, I'm not going to ignore it. As for me, I'm not letting my politicians ignore it. As for me, I have to speak. And I would encourage all of us to do the same. Now, that wasn't too bad for a political conversation, right? <laughs> Everybody was holding their breath, oh my gosh. It's going to be a Jeremiah Wright moment? No. But it's really, really important to be clear about our agreements. And I don't know if you know that a great many of our history books are being redacted. The history books our kids are studying 
Things are being taken out that we just took for granted. Uh, there is a, I forget which school board it is in Texas, that one of the major uh, publishers goes through this committee, this group, school board, and uh, they check through the books for what's allowed and what's redacted. And this group of a, a small handful of people is making decisions about our kids learn. So we can face things like our kids didn't know about the civil rights movement until they're like in their teens, where other kids whose teachers are mindful grow up learning about it. The things that we don't talk about anymore that are dismantling our agreements. And somewhere, there's a group that's talking to each other, making these decisions. It's just not me. It's just not us. And we have to decide if we are going to allow this to continue. We say it's a pivotal time in our nation, and then sit home. We gotta do some stuff, folks, to make people pay attention that we won't go out without a fight. Amen? Kind of amen? Because kind of <laughs> there's room in this place to hold attention in this church. All right. <clears throat> true politics is the negotiation of our life together. That's what true politics is. That's the definition. Just about everything we do in life involves politics, a negotiation. Our national politics are twisted and being contorted outside of their intended shape. Actually, that's the definition of wickedness. And wicked practices are coming forth. Because of partisan, the partisan nature of our debate, or lack thereof, because we just go in front of cameras and talk. Politics, again, is a negotiation of life together. Now, to have an honorable negotiation, we have to seek the win, not just for me, but for everybody. And I know that we might know this, but you got to say it in the group that you're working with so we're clear, right? Um, when it's not possible to have the win-win, you have to acknowledge the impact that it will have upon those making the sacrifice for unity. You have to recognize it, okay? And we must remember the sacrifice made and understand that it's not a forever sacrifice we're asking of people. But unfortunately, it goes that way. And we don't bring up the subject again because that was settled. No, it was for now, but when our unity becomes better, when we've grown in some ways that we should do as a people, then we have to come back and think about that again so we can see if we can get closer to the win-win. It's not a lifetime sacrifice. It's a willingness for now. Let's continue to work together. Stay with me, okay? Because nobody can forever hold attention. Nobody. They say, some scientists now studying psychiatrists, psychologists, are talking more and more about the PTSD that just being a person of color just walks with every day. Something hits and triggers and suddenly you're backing off 
Brianna sent me a text and I had a moment. <laughs> uh, and you just don't know. I was fussing with the bank and she sent me a text. It was just like, ah! Had nothing to do with what was going on, what the text was about or the email was about. Just the stuff in me. Because I felt like that institution was taking advantage of me. It's not a forever. But yes, all of us have to hold the tension. Let's look at Philippians, Philippians 4.8. It instructs us, for those that can see it, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true and noble and just, pure, lovely, of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. It's found in Ephesians 4.8. We guard our politics, the negotiation of our life together, as a church community by this instruction. This is the guide for our politics, how we remember and refuse to allow sacrifice forever. We always have to come back to, is what's happening around us good and pure and lovely? We have to come back. Noble. We ask ourselves, are we dealing with one another in a noble way or in an honorable way? Just, does it demonstrate justice or right relationships with one another? the practice, the decision we made, when we come back and think about it, can we do something different now, pure? Is there moral and ethical decision-making and behavior taking place in our community? Is it lovely? Are our actions and decisions, do they demonstrate love for one another, that love that God said that I'm supposed to have for him, and then the love that I'm supposed to have for you as if you were me? And if I love you like you were me, I wouldn't want you to be in a place of sacrifice forever. So the tension is not just my tension or because I'm in the place of sacrifice, but it should be your tension because I'm in a place of sacrifice. Is it of good report? Are our decisions or are our actions commendable? Is it praiseworthy? And then the scripture says, meditate on these. Meditate on the world you hope your politics will bring about. Meditate on your vision of that world. Rehearse that vision in your mind. Because when we rehearse that vision in our mind, anything that's not like that vision rubs us the wrong way. And change is easier when we're rubbed the wrong way. But if we're not meditating, if we're going on with the flow of things, mailing it in, we don't notice. If we're afraid to get involved because I don't know what they're going to say and what's it going to cost me, it's costing us far more. And actually, it's costing our kids and our grandkids far more. Meditate on your vision of the world. Rehearse it in your minds. Proverbs 29, 18. Many of us who grew up in churches know this. So I have a, like three versions of it. Can you see? I'm going to... Pull that down. Better? Good. Hi. The King James Version. Where there, ooh, I hope it's better. Yep. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. American Standard Version. 
Where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. But he that keeps the law, happy is he. The Christian Standard Bible says, without revelation, people run wild. But one who follows the divine instruction will be happy. Our divine revelation is the revelation as a major narrative, is the revelation of the kingdom that Jesus put forth to us. Jesus came preaching the kingdom. Quite often, from my church experience, you know, from the way people said it, I thought Jesus came preaching, get saved. But when I consider the Gospels, I don't see that. He came preaching the kingdom and that we could be members and belonging in the kingdom. He was reestablishing what was intended from the beginning. Genesis, the beginning. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. That's Genesis 1.28. And then we have this picture at the end of scripture, right? In um, Revelation 7.9. After this I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. And of every nation, tribe, people, language, standing before the throne of God and before the Lamb of God. And they were wearing white robes and were beholding palms in their hands. So we go from be fruitful and multiply to the multiplied of every nation. All people gathered before God, what he intended coming to pass. This is the vision of the kingdom, standing, all of us standing in the presence of God. And yet, as a church community, as a neighborhood, as a city, we have to come up with our own vision, our own articulation of that vision for us now. When we go back to Philippians 4.8, oops, when we go back to Proverbs 28, what was that, 19, 18? Thank you. The proverb says that people are unrestrained. So when we look back at Philippians, let's look at the situation they were dealing with, right? At the beginning of the fourth chapter, second verse, we learned that a woman... Euodia, and another, Sintaish. Um, we're in a disagreement. It was having an impact upon the community. Paul was telling the community that they had a responsibility to these women to help bring things back together. He told them how to do it in gentleness. He admonished them, don't get twisted out of shape. Because this stuff is going on. I know we use that scripture, be anxious for nothing, but in all things, through prayer. Right? But in context, it was about this disagreement. It comes in the context of this disagreement that's going on. And he says, don't get worried because this thing is happening. But pray specific prayers to God with thanksgiving. And what's going to happen? The peace of God that passes all understanding, will keep your heart and will keep your mind in the midst of disagreement. Before you say anything about the disagreement, when you're looking at it privately and examining it and praying over it 
The peace of God can enter in with those prayers. And then we get to verse 8, all that I read before, and then verse 9. The writer goes back to peace. The word of peace. These things which you've learned, he says in verse 9, and received and heard and seen in me, do them, and the peace of God will be with you. He opens it with peace. He closes this section with peace. Practice this is what it's saying. The word of peace is anchored in the word shalom. And if you remember when we talked about it before, it implied nothing missing. No broken relationships. Women in disagreement, community needs to respond. Be gentle, don't worry. Pray specific prayers with thanksgiving. Meditate on your vision of life together. And God, who is not broken in relationship with God's self, and has all God, has all she needs, will be with you in your presence. And more so, you will be in God's presence. It's access to the kingdom of God. There are so many times that we experience peaceful resolution, and there are too many times when we don't. Our nation suffers because we're fighting over partisan issues. And those issues have replaced honorable negotiation for our life together. Because we're afraid to hold things in tension. Because we're afraid we won't win our side. And we're afraid that someone else would have power and sway and say over our lives. And it's the very thing that would be remedied in negotiation that happens without negotiation, but we don't do it. Many people, uh, many of you are probably familiar with the Myers-Briggs personality indicator. Okay, I live in tension, okay? I am uh, an I in TFP. My eye is like off the chart, and that is uh, for introversion. That doesn't mean I don't like to talk to people. I said this once in a church and people stopped talking to me. No, <laughs> please talk to me. My in intuitive, solidly over there, you know? My P, solid, all that stuff is solid. And then we get to the I and the F, and I am right in the middle. And when I saw the test, I was like, oh, yeah, I know I am. Because I warned myself, should my heart lead? Should my head lead? It would be better if my head lead. What do these people think if I let my heart lead? And if I don't, get tired, man. It's exhausting. So I understand life in the tension. But yet it's our reality. So this is how I think of myself. I am compassionately thoughtful. I am a compassionately thoughtful person who is thoughtfully compassionate. So both sides can win. 
make a solid decision with my heart. Make a heartfelt decision with my head. We all have places like that in our individual lives and in our collective life. We have to accept the tension and figure out our ways as a community we can live with it because we want to see our vision made real. If you were like me, you grew up with those, you know, in the sweet by and by when I die, things will be wonderful in heaven and I will go and pull up a tree and rest. And maybe you were like me and thought, that would be so boring. <laughs> Why would I want to do that? That is not the script. But the script continues for us to be, be fruitful and multiply. Enjoy your life and gifting. The things that God has put in you make come out of you. The fruitfulness. So we will still need to negotiate and talk with one another. And it won't be just, oh, that works out. Just do it, Brianna. I don't care. No. I'm hoping we are infused somehow with some more skill that we'll see even as, or be known even as we know. That will help us, but we'll still need to talk to one another. We don't skip this, folks. So if we don't have to skip it, I would rather accomplish some things now and learn some things now than have to wait till later. I would rather not live with some conditions that exist now. I would rather my grandchildren not deal with the impact of what's happening in our government now, but they will. And I can only mitigate that by getting involved, not only in the politic of our nation, but the politic of our church so that our children can see that a group of people who are very different are not faking the funk. We are here and we don't have to deny who we are. Everybody present. And we get to negotiate our agreement about how we live together because we are committed to stay at this here table called Mosaic and live that witness before the world. Because what the world is looking for is not perfection. People just want to see people trying, working at it, and staying together. I have a friend uh, who's a minister. We, when we were in seminary, we would argue and fight over justice issues. Because, you know, my side, I think I'm going to get her to come in for my um, installation so she can share her stories. But sis was white. <laughs> It was like norm, it's like nobody else existed. And so when you brought something up to her, she was like, she'd be fighting mad. Somebody did a bulletin board that said, um, in honor and celebrating the black woman. And sis was mad. She was like, where else? We couldn't put a board up like that. If we put a board right over there. <laughs> I guess I'm still a little excited. If we put a board up like that, you guys would have a fit. Why can't you? That, I don't understand. You need to be saying something. And I looked at her. I was so mad. And I was going to say the wrong thing. And she walked away to go into the bookstore. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. 
paused for a minute. And when she came back, I looked at her and I said, when you walk into a bookstore and you go over to the magazine rack, please tell me what you see. If you don't see a display on every book, in every bookstore, in every magazine stand that celebrates white women, you tell me. And it shut her up, so you know, I felt good about that. <laughs> we laughed about it. But the people in the seminary got used to us having these engagements, you know, and they would go back off. No, 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 I don't want to sit with you two. And we were the best show happening in town. Yeah. Because there became a fearlessness for us. But things broke apart. We hadn't talked for a long time. And you know what happened? It's great. Her church is dealing with uh, some stuff with LGBT folk. And she was looking around for other churches that deal with that, right? And she came upon Mosaic. And she was looking, I want to talk to this pastor, right? And she looks, she goes, oh my God, it's Angel. <laughs> and she called me. And we got together and spent about two and a half hours talking. And it was still a great conversation. And she, you know, I've grown up in some places. And she's grown up in some places. And recognizing that God wants all of us in the family and being committed to it. Amen? Um, so we have to be willing to hold those kind of tensions, be willing to lose relationship for a moment. Because if we're both faithful, God is going to bring it back. Shalom, nothing missing, nothing broken. I got my Tracy back. She got me back. Amen. So we have to discuss things. And we have to discuss as a church community what our particular vision is. Um, vision is really important. Uh, as the pastor of this church, I am um, supposed to lead folks, right? But there has to be clarity. I said last week, you know, if I just went for a walk and people, nobody was following me, you know, it should be a nice walk out there. My doctor would be happy. <laughs> but to really be a leader, there have to be some people following. But for people to follow, they need to know where they're going. And it's not just me dictating it, but our agreement on where we're going. Right now, for me, I look at our vision statement, and it actually looks more like a mission statement. A mission statement has more of the details in it. The vision is the vision of what you think the community is going to look like because your organization has done the mission. And we need to spend some time visioning what our community, what our neighborhood, what our church will look like because God has appointed us and called us to be here now. The key to understanding and embracing Agreements is being clear about your vision. I'm biting my tongue because I want to say something about Congress. I'm not. We need to explore them to get the rich treasure within. To do so, we have to hold the tension between the world that is and the one that's yet to come. 
and through our politics, our negotiated agreements concerning how we do life together. I keep repeating it because I want us to grab a hold of the definition. We'll do that work.